Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Queen Pod, a podcast all about the incredible rock group Queen, hence the title Queen Pod. My name is Simon Lupton and joining me is a man who loves Queen almost as much as Brian May loves clogs. It's Rohan Acharya. (laughs) As much, as much. As much. As much as a man that sat in a room with those clogs, I've understood that it's a, for him, it makes his life better. Yeah. Have you ever worn clogs? Uh, I, as a child... Uh, my father spent some time working in uh, the Netherlands and Holland. Okay. And yes, I have been out there and stomped about in clogs. And my enduring memory, I might have been eight. Mm-hmm. My enduring memory is they are the most uncomfortable shoes I've ever put on my life. Okay. So you're They're weird. <laughs> not a huge fan. And though. cloppy. But I love them on Brian. Oh, he, he makes it work, doesn't he? Oh, my God. And, you know, it, it gives him his stride and everything. Like, I mean, he's explained to us why he loves the clock yeah. so much, right? Because it, it really does genuinely suit his gait and it, his height. It, yeah, yeah. His height and all yeah, the rest yeah. of it. But no, I, I wear sketches which have memory foam soles. So, yeah. Um, it's like walking on beds. <laughs> so. It is. Once you've gone sketches, it's very hard to go back, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I it's not trendy. <laughs> no, but we're of an age where comfort. <laughs> It's prime. That. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm with you on Sketches. Um, <laughs> Queen Pod, sponsored by Sketches. Yeah. Uh, not by Glitch. Indeed. Well, as always, we are being assisted by producer Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about the Queen Extravaganza, who are, at the time of recording, blazing around the UK and Europe on tour. But before we get into that, mm. let us discover if Queen are the champions. We are the champions. Well, this is the part where we get to share a moment where Queen either intentionally or unexpectedly crept into our lives. Yeah. Um, who shall say? No, Ro, <laughs> okay. has that happened to you this as week? You know, has it? As you know, let me set the scene, right? Yeah, okay, do set the scene, please. So, so you know uh, Queen Hurdle, you know, you can... Yes. You know the Queen yes. Hurdle thing, so yes. if you've been playing Wordle and all that. So there's this thing where you just... Are you still doing Queen Hurdle? I, can't, I have not stopped, <laughs> and I never will. You might think you I might be the only one. Day. Good for you. Sorry like, to interrupt. Okay. Sometimes uh, you enter it and it doesn't come up. All you have to do is refresh and the song will come up. And I think that's throwing off a lot of people. It's really important, that information. Um, and a Dragon Attack came up on it. Oh. That's it. That's, that was my queen moment. <laughs> <laughs> so happy. How, how many? Did, what, in one uh, second, oh, surely. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 don't yeah. be ridiculous. Yeah, no. But we admit, I don't know if it happens with everyone else, um, but they, when you get it right, they'll play like 30 seconds of yes. the track. They played the whole track. They? they had the whole. They knew. They knew it was your favourite. What are your percentages on? On her? Let's find out. <laughs> I think it's pretty good, mate. Yeah, I, I, I imagined it would be. I uh, do just hear like in bed at like quarter past midnight, or whatever, <laughs> just from the room next door. Well, suddenly it, a Queen song. Because it changes at midnight, doesn't yeah. it? So he's literally staying up waiting for it to, to come. <laughs> so I've had a couple of anomalies from 
errors in the yes yeah device yes. like in the actual i, I know right, what you mean yeah you that's play. really frustrating isn't yeah, it yeah yeah so i've played 71 <laughs> i've won 70 my win rate is 98.6 percent impressive yeah as 63 of the 71 that i've played were all within one second five were in two seconds and then the others were all little yeah, th- when errors. they do something from Flash, it's quite hard, isn't it? To Flash is a nightmare, and it, it, at times it feels like they're only selecting songs from Flash, <laughs> yeah. which is very, very annoying. Um, but as a result, I've sort of been listening to quite a lot of the yeah. deluxe version of Flash, which is not no bad thing. No, no. No bad thing at all. Flash is the next album we need to get yes, it into, is. isn't it? Yes, it is. Because we got as far as the game, didn't we? We did. Um, so, yeah. So we need to get into Flash. Massively. Massively, yeah. I can't wait. Actually, no, it is. I'm really excited to talk about that, and I love the movie as well. So there's a lot to talk about on there, and um, it might enable us to have a little chat about the fact that Highlander's coming back. Is it? They're rebooting Highlander, um, and I need to know if they're going to preserve Queen. And if they do, don't. Who on earth is going to watch it? Oh, you're going to say, who on earth are they going to get? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll go with your answer. Who's going to do a high of soundtrack now? What, the Proclaimers? <laughs> no, because, you know, walking 500 miles for Conor McLeod was... He had the time, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a problem for him. He could take weeks doing it. No. Well, it's Jay-Z. <laughs> Any of these modern outfits they've got these days? Yeah. No, Was no. it Two Directions? Them people? Oh, Who are they going to do? Can't do the 1D. No, you've got young, got young daughters. I, I have. Do absolutely. I do apologise. They are the only people who I would still watch Highlander doing it. All right. Well, let's get Barry Styles to do the... Uh, yeah. Yes. The Highlander Barry soundtrack. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the Queen extravaganza. Literally speaking, this is a tribute band. Yes. um, A group of musicians that cover Queen songs, for those who don't know what a tribute band is. However, this particular tribute band is different because all the musicians have been handpicked by Roger Taylor and the production has been put together by the team that work on the Queen and Adam Lambert shows. So this is an official band signed off by Roger and Brian um, and it's probably the closest thing you can get to experience Queen music played live without it being the actual band themselves. The band members come from all over the world, and the previous performers have included Mark Martell. Mm. And if you've never heard of him sing before, uh, definitely worth a trip to the, the Queen YouTube wormhole um, <laughs> and lose yourself there for, uh, for a while. Uh, Tyler, they used a little bit of Mark Martell in the, in the movie. In the movie, they? yeah, exactly. So he's, he is movie. extraordinary. Um, Tyler Warren. Oh, used to be part of the band, who of course now drama. plays percussion on the Queen and, and Adam Lambert tours. Um, he was on the Roger tour, right? Yeah, and he was on, on uh, Roger Solar tour as well, yeah. Um, the current lineup is a mixture of extravaganza stalwarts and some new faces. Um, so just to give you a little taster, here's a sort of um, a medley of, of them in action. <laughs> Producer Sam yes. went to see this for the very first time not that long ago. No. 
What do you reckon? Well, I'm really glad we're chatting about this on the <laughs> pod because we've done the planning meeting for the series on the Thursday. Mm. <laughs> like, well, the only opportunity for us to see it is the Saturday immediately following. <laughs> and amazingly, Friday night, Simon turns around and goes, yeah, I got you a couple of tickets to the Anvil in Basingstoke. We're like, oh, <laughs> Hollywood's calling. <laughs> so let's get down to Basingstoke. And I think I was very trepidatious. Mm. I hadn't really, I certainly hadn't seen any Queen tribute gigs. I, ha- I haven't really been to a tribute gig type concert at all so I had visions of you know a man with a moustache and a yellow jacket yeah. jumping around the place you know a, a, a bad Broadway wig you know and all that yeah. kind of a little bit more Channel 5 shall we say than, <laughs> than um, Bohemian Rhapsody the movie and um, um, and they started playing and these guys come out they're just wearing their own clothes they are a rock band yeah um, and they are playing in 1000 seaters uh, and you don't get to see Queen in 1,000 seaters. You haven't been able to since the 70s. Mm. And I think over the course of the evening, certainly Sam and I, I think the whole audience just got increasingly into it for a number of reasons. I mean, look, there's two lead singers. They, they're not trying to be Queen no, in any way. No, that's key. That's not it? what that it is. is. And I think that's the genius of what Roger's done here, is he's gone, look, the important thing is to get the music played well. Yeah. So let's get some phenomenal musicians, put them together and let them play some music and let, let, let audiences feel yeah. what it is like to see Queen, what it might have been like to see yeah. Queen in that era in those kinds of spaces. And the other thing I noticed, I've said this before, like at the main Queen gigs, there's a lot of audience that are there that want to see Queen before they stop touring. Yes. You know, there's yeah. always that. So I've been to Bruce Springsteen concert because I felt like I wanted to see Bruce. I'm not encyclopedic about all of his material. I know a lot of it, but not all of it. Yeah. And so there were big sections of the gig that just went over my head, but it didn't matter. I've seen the E Street back. You know, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think those people want to go and see the Queen extravaganza <laughs> before it stops touring in the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of the hardcore Queen fans probably struggle to get tickets to the Queen gigs because they get booked up and they get yeah, into yeah. the touting system and all of that. Whereas all of them can definitely go to the Queen Extravaganza, want to go to the Queen Extravaganza, and suddenly that means that you are in a room full of massive fans and you're getting a set list with deeper cuts. Yeah. They did Lazing on a Sunday afternoon, for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was incredible. You know, they did Dragon Attack, (laughs) which was just awesome. Uh, they're little gags where they chuck in a little riff from Get Down, Make Love Here in the yeah. call and response. They did the whole uh, opera section of Bohemian Rhapsody live in front of our very eyes, which even the band have never done. And uh, I know f- from chatting to Suze, she did that uh, mm. uh, once, didn't she, as, as, as part of her training, I think, at Ramda or something. Mm. And she talked about how hard it is to do that. And they just nail it. Yeah. So you're actually seeing, in a way, a more daring set list than I think they can afford to be on the main tour, where they have to do the big hits. They can indulge the fandom a lot more. And there was just a lovely moment where one of the singers, Gareth, about three or four songs in, he just casually said, you you can stand up, you know. I think it was for Crazy Little Thing. (laughs) Was it for Crazy Little Thing called Love? Yeah. And, you know, so we, we, we were all up and dancing pretty much on mass yeah uh you know within three or four songs whereas on the main gig you know it might not be until even we will rock you before everyone's willing to get up and jump around mm. in the gods at least it blew my mind do you know what i've been talking for ages. sam what did you think of the whole thing yeah i mean i had a brilliant time like you i've never gone to any tribute gig i don't know if i've ever actually seen any tribute acts and a pub even so i didn't really know what to expect i think i knew they weren't dressing up i think i knew that was their thing mm, mm. as soon as the show started from beginning to end i had a massive grin on my face yeah. just from yeah. as, as soon as they started to come out i've not had the opportunity to see queen live as much as um, you guys without trying to because uh, i'm younger and yeah getting another opportunity to see queen music played live yeah. was brilliant at and that they, level at that level they play it so well it was quite funny i found it really loud as well i thought they mm. played it really loud it's interesting because it's it, it's not just the fact that um you know as you say they're not pretending to be queen they're not dressing like them mm. but the show is constructed 
in its choice of set list, the lighting, mm. the way it's presented, has all the ethos of exactly. a Queen show. So you, the people that, you know, starting from Roger and Brian, go, yeah. okay, if you're doing a Queen show, these are the things you have to do. Yeah. And they're all in there. Yeah. So it's it looks and it sounds and it smells like a Queen gig. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. I just mean, the, it doesn't have set, Queen in it. <laughs> the set design's amazing. I, enough, like Sam, I remember Sam talking about it about halfway mm. through. I think we were talking in the interval yeah. of just how how the lighting rig kind of... You loved the lighting rig. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was and it's a, really a whole impressive. set of lights behind the band on stage shining back at the audience and it, it feels like that kind of rainbow era yeah. lighting rig. And so I actually looked up... Um, it's Mark Fisher. Mm-hmm. Who did the design? Who sadly passed away now, I think. But he was the guy who designed the We Will Rock You set. Yeah. So it's obviously a very authentic uh, effort. I tell you what, it was. It felt really smart. Yeah. Very smart and very cool. And it it doesn't surprise me a jot as a result to discover that Rogers is sort of primarily the one that yeah. is out of the band who's driven this. Yeah. project this sort of idea i found a little quote for him where he goes these guys are incredibly gifted musicians in their own right certainly aren't dressing up in costumes and pretending to be queen yeah they actually play the music better than we ever did <laughs> <laughs> or maybe better isn't the right word but they play a, a more perfect version with a more polished sound whereas we always used to go off and play around with the music when we were in concert and that's a really interesting it is. aspect to it it is and um i think that's the most fascinating thing about it because when you go and see Queen and Adam Lambert now, you know, Brian in particular can get up there and play however he wants mm. to play. Mm. He can play around with his solos. Mm. He's free to do that because he's Brian May. <laughs> he created them so mm. he can do mm. what he wants. Mm. And for them, that's what they like doing. They like giving you the song that you know, but giving you something that's unique to your experience on that night. This band has to be as accurate as it possibly can be to mm. the original because mm. that's what you're going to hear. Mm. So you hear, for example, Nick, the guitarist, doing the I Want It All guitar solo. He's nailing that mm. note perfect mm. night after night after night, mm. which even Brian doesn't have to do if he doesn't want to. You it's know, really interesting. That's tough. You mentioned that because erstwhile um, uh, producer Giles, but Fergus March, mm. uh, I think you and he had gone and done some interviews with the band and we were having a chat about it after that and yeah. he was really into that he, I think he, he was a big it, yeah. Quex yeah he's convert. a big Quex fan convert yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um, and, and to be fair so am I I, yeah. I did get the hat um, <laughs> which is in my bag literally there good man we have two um, mugs in our and we've got a couple of mugs <laughs> oh, in the flat as well so. <laughs> you guys are the merchandiser's dream you two absolutely can't help ourselves it's a big part of going um uh, and and he had got chatting to is it Nick Radcliffe mm. the guitar player and said that that was Nick's thing was I've I've got to hit these notes yeah exactly correctly every night and when you watch Nick play you're like come on man you can you, you give it like Brian gives it a bit <laughs> you know yeah. but he is he's smiling away but he is just playing and it, it's almost like he's making it look easy mm. but actually and I mentioned it to Sam during the gig and you you went well he's probably just concentrating really hard. <laughs> But he does make it look easy. Yeah, he's he's, he's really good. He yeah. is really really good, and you have to have someone that good, don't you? Yes, you, you know, it's for God to do Brian. Exactly, this. you're right. Giles and I went down to to the rehearsals because they wanted um, some little interview bits to go on social media to introduce the band. Because right. a because there's some new members in it, and b because it's been a while since they've been on tour. Because course, this is a tour that's been delayed because of the pandemic. And they very kindly said that once we'd done the interview bits that we needed for those, that I could ask them some questions for the pod. No. Yes. So that's what I've done. Oh my God, this is a legit Simon Says. I didn't know about this. No, well, you know, yeah, he's a kind of Simon Says. It's Simon Says! Let's call it a Queen Plus exclusive. (laughs) Seriously. Um, So, should we get stuck in? (laughs) Exclusive interviews with the Queen tribute band. I can't wait. (laughs) It doesn't get much better than this, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, this is the pinnacle. This is access, guys. Yes, here we go. So we've spoken many times about uh, what an incredible performer and singer Freddie was Mm. and, of course, how extraordinary Adam is. Mm. So I think with any tribute band, you've got to be mindful of the huge job that faces the lead singer. Mm. And the extravaganza, as you said, has two, Mm. which is not a reflection on them as individuals. It is simply because they're doing 60 nights on this tour 
So you, you need two people. I mean, they they back go to back. for it exactly. as well. One person doing all back. of those shows. It, that's you know, that not even Freddie or Adam would have done that. No. So they need two singers, which is great. So I started by talking to them because I was really interested to see about how they they dealt with that challenge of following right. in footsteps of, of Freddie, of course, yeah. but also now Adam. You know, that's yeah. that's the comparison. Yeah. Um, so first up was Illyrio who is one of the lead singers. Illyrio Neto. What is it that you most admire about Freddie? I mean, obviously you're, you're trying to sing, well, you're not trying, you are singing the songs. What is it when you sing them that you most admire about? Well, nobody can sing like Freddie. That's a true story, but uh, for me, it's, it's not only the voice, the music, but the lyrics. They has, I mean, really strong meanings, and I, 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 as an actor, I try to to understand the lyrics and to make them my own. So, the combination of the the voice and the lyrics and the songs, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. Do you find yourself um, mimicking any of Freddie's mannerisms when you're on stage? I mean, you're not trying to be him, obviously, but do you, do you find you just can't help? There's something about Freddie's hmm. I don't know. I never thought about that. I try to, I try to make these songs my own songs. So I, I never thought about that. Maybe, who knows? But um, um, I'm not an impersonator. I rather, I'm ready to die for the songs, as I told people before. And uh, I rather die with my voice and trying to sound like somebody else, even Freddie. Love you, Freddie. <laughs> is there a, a, a song, a deep cut song, that isn't on the set list that one day you mm. hope you might get a chance to do? You Take My Breath Away. I really love that song. I really love that song. You used to play Spread the Wings, which, I mean, it's one of my favorite songs ever, but I think You Take My Breath Away, it's, it gets me into the nerves. <laughs> is that because it's a song that means a lot to you, or because? It, it, you know, as a singer, it's a, it's a fun or challenging one to do, so... Both. I think both. It's a beautiful tune, it has beautiful lyrics, and uh, the melody, it's amazing. Take my breath away, it's beautiful, come on. <laughs> wow, love that guy. I mean, honestly, I think he should choose the set list <laughs> yeah. going forward, because, I mean, when you say to someone, what would you love to sing, and they come back with... You know, you take my breath away, uh, spread your wings. I mean, they're great choices, aren't they? But not songs that would normally appear on a set list. You take my breath away. So please don't go. Don't leave me here all by myself. I get ever so lonely from time to time. I will find you anywhere you go. I'll be right behind you, right until the end of the earth. I'll get no sleep till I find you to tell you when I find you. I love you. I really warmed to Illyrio, I think, mm -hmm. in the show. There's something so authentic. It, it, he's I, quite he's rock, from, isn't he? He's, he's, he's really rock. rock. Yeah. Also, he's from Brazil, right? And mm. he watched Freddie live when he was nine years old, and it changed his life. And I think he was Galileo in the Brazil version. Yeah, yeah. And that's where he met his wife and all that. You know, and uh, there is something, if you're listening in South America, I am in awe of you. <laughs> I think the way you guys are Queen fans is a... Almost a religious fervor to it, like it's a, there's an understanding of Queen <laughs> in a way that sort of allows everyone else on the planet to also be a Queen fan. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, I mean? like yeah. It's in their blood and it's all fire. And Illyrio really projects that. And I, I felt through the show, uh, he's so front facing. Hmm. Um, and where he does capture Freddie is that it's all about us, the audience. Mm -hmm. And he wants us to have that great time. There's that bit where he walked out. I can't remember which song so, it was yeah, on. So, yeah, it's my favorite. One of my favorite moments it was Fat Bottom Girls. Yes. He came out into the crowd and really? we were sat on the edge of the road. He literally walked past mm. us up mm. and everyone had got on their feet. 
apart from basically like two people a couple of rows behind us yeah and he just stood next to them and yeah. sung the entire <laughs> song <laughs> these two people sat down. what a legend I he's love it. so good yeah. and and i think that and and he really goes for it like he said he has he's thought about what the lyrics mean yeah. what the purpose of the song is but the thing that I've always taken from Queen, yeah. the audience is the number one factor in all of their decisions. And I think Illyria really, really captures that um, and gives you that yeah. feeling. You know, there's a joy when he's doing these call and response. Yeah, I think yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Un un Another One Bites the Dust, they do yeah. an extended he call a, and response. He gets a moment, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think both of them, it's both him and, yeah, and, Gareth. and Gareth, and they're taking little lines that we're repeating off them. Yeah, is that the, when they split the audience into... In half. That's right. It's yeah. a real... Yeah. yeah. Get down. Those are <laughs> kind of moments yeah, are really important because the trouble is, is the, the vast majority of the venues they're doing are all-seater. And, and we know that all-seater yes. stadiums are not really great for rock. No. Because people are much more reluctant to get up. You don't have that, that bit at the front where there's the diehards at the you know moshing around at the front. It's but, a concert hall, not a yeah, gig venue. But they're very good at having moments in the show that mm. give you license to get up, mm. and and people are, you can see people are itching to get up. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a moment when because um, I'm old now, and I'm, I'm finding really hard to stand up for all these things, and I think it was. Uh, it might have been the end of Dragon Attack, I think. Right. And I was like, okay, I can't stand anymore. And actually not everyone was standing up for that song because not everyone knew that song. No. So, But everyone that did know that song was, was just going bananas. Right on the end of Dragon Attack, I just thought, okay, I'm going to sit down for the next one. So I just sat down and within three seconds they were playing Fat Bob Girls on the <laughs> <laughs> And, and two, these two people with this couple behind us were just cackling with laughter at the fact that I hadn't managed to sit down for longer than a second. <laughs> I was exhausted. I was like leaning on the, on the balustrade just trying to keep dancing it was oh, phenomenal brilliant well as we mentioned that there's 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 two singers Illyrio yeah, is great um gareth is the other singer he's also fantastic and people may have seen him he'd been in his own tribute band before he yes, joined quex um quex quex that's, that's what we call, call it that's, that's that's insider stuff isn't it we call it quex can't we well that's what um that's what's on written on the you know, flight cases and stuff. So, yeah, so I, I asked similar questions of Gareth because I was interested to see what his feeling was um, compared to Illyrio's. What do you admire most about Freddie? Because obviously you are singing his songs and performing the way he did. But, so what is it that you most, when you're doing it, you most admire about how he did it? It's a tough question because there's so much. There's a lot I could think of a dozen things. I suppose um, the sort of the vocal technique, um, the massive range, um, some of the songs are really tricky to sing, so that's a challenge, so I, I admire that. Um, they're just beautifully well-crafted songs, uh, timeless, um, and that's a privilege to be able to do that. The great thing about Extravaganza is about playing Queen songs brilliantly and, and putting on a great show. It's not about pretending to be mm -hmm. Queen. Is it hard to stop those mannerisms that you've grown up watching Freddie do sort of creep into what you do? That's a really good question. Um, in the previous Queen tribute band that I was in, we made a point of not trying to mimic or copy anything visually. Uh, having said that, I find it hard sometimes not to, you know, do all these flamboyant things. I'm trying to concentrate on just being myself. Um, it, it'll be okay. <laughs> the biggest challenge for me is, is going to be um, maintaining my voice for 60 dates, um, which is quite a lot of dates. I've never done anything of that length before. Um, having said that, we're on day seven of rehearsals and my voice is as good as it's ever been, so I uh, <laughs> don't want to curse it now, but um, it's holding up pretty well. I've just got to look after myself and uh, hopefully um, on, the, on the tour bus try and get try and get some sleep. Do we have any snorers? I hope not. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because that must be so frightening as a singer, the thought that one morning you might wake up and it's it's gone. Or you're on stage and you, go, you go for the note and it and you don't get it. Because there. yeah. um, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but, uh, it's, you, know, as, you know, as you say, he's just got to protect it, really, as much as he can and mm. Um, mm. <laughs> struggle through. He compliments... Uh, mm. Illyrio in a, in a really interesting way because Gareth's voice is genuinely beautiful. Yeah, it's it very is, melodic, isn't it's it? It's melodic and mellifluous. Like oh, it's really, it's a really, 
quite an education. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll see your melodic Lupton and raise you. <laughs> I got a better mail for you. <laughs> um, they yeah. both work together really, really well. Where Illyrio is doing that rock, mm. those rock tracks, and he's really belting it out and all of that. Gareth will do a lot of the really beautiful yes. moments in the show. You know, it took me about four or five tracks just to get used to having two singers there. <laughs> kind of, what? Well, how's this going to work? And are yeah, they yeah, jealous yeah. of each other? And yeah, 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 yeah. Good chemistry between, you know, what's going on? Um, yeah. But it does. It works brilliantly. It's um, so cleverly executed. Yeah. How mm, they, mm. like, the set list must be designed around them, what songs each of them are singing, right? Because yes. they yes. need breaks at certain points, you need them together. It's a very point. even it's, distribution. Yeah, how that's yeah. all put together is brilliant i think yes the running order is incredible like <coughs> this show opens with um on tape they they use a bit of a hero i think from flash mm -hmm. for ripping into tie your mother down of course of course i haven't seen don't stop me now as the second track in a queen King. yeah a long time yeah um and uh, it's such a huge fast number and of course it's one of those tracks that it doesn't it doesn't even if you don't know Queen at all, you know, Don't Stop Me yes. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it does have that effect. Their third track is Save Me. Mm. That's big. Which you think of as one of these types of ballady type songs. It isn't, because Brian doesn't do straightforward ballads, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he always has more complexity to it. And Save Me is really heavy. Mm. It's got some huge uh, heavy sounds in it going on. And I'm like, well... Does this work in the deaf and blind section of a show? And it absolutely did. And a big part of that, I think, was um, was the way Gareth hits those notes. Yeah, and just how much he soars. You know, it's a kind of statement of intent, isn't it? It is. It's saying to the audience, "We can do these." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're, you know, yeah. This isn't a Rhapsody tour set. No, it's... no, because it's quite interesting. Because I have seen a few tribute bands, and when you can feel they're compromising because they don't have the ability to get where Queen got to, or they're doing it too fast or mm. they're not doing it fast enough. Mm. It just makes you feel really awkward because you know instinctively how these should sound. Mm. Mm. And when they're not close, mm. it grates. Mm. But with this, you're kind of, already, as you say, in those opening songs, you're kind of, okay, these guys can do it. They can do <laughs> it. They can do it. <laughs> and that sense that Roger has handpicked these guys, mm. and they even mentioned that during the show, like yeah. we were handpicked by Roger. Um, what you are getting is the result of Roger's taste. Yes. And so that imbues the whole show, it authenticates the whole show, and it sets it apart. It makes mm. it, you know, like there are tribute bands doing Queen, but this is Queen doing tribute bands. Yeah. That's a whole different kettle of fish. Like we were saying, it's a lot smarter, mm. right? Yeah. Roger and Brian have amazing taste. Well, the band have amazing mm. taste. They've demonstrated that through all of their work, their craftsmanship, everything they put into these songs that make them so enduring. Yeah. They put the same level of energy into a project like this. Our jobs as producers of t content, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of the time it's all about our taste and our judgment and going, well, why don't we cut that bit and keep that bit and all of that. Yeah. Um, I, I am nowhere near Roger's level <laughs> <laughs> on that. Right? I suspect most of us are. He, yeah, absolutely. Right? He's one of the best in the world at yeah. having taste. <laughs> and, and, and you see that on display in the extravaganza, yeah. particularly with the, you know, with the musicians. No, and I think that's really key. And I think the very clever move that they've made, actually, is they, is they appoint a member of the band to be the musical director. Sure. Which there's a spike head in there. There's a spike head in there. And that's, that's not to sort of you know, tell these musicians how to do, but it's to get these musicians playing as a band, yes. as a unit, because yes. they have been handpicked from around the world, yes. but they very quickly have to gel and become a unit. Now, some of them have been in the in Quex for a while, um, so it's it, they are part of a band, but these new ones have to integrate. And actually, on this um, this tour, Darren, who plays the keyboard, yes. is that He's guy. the Spike Edney. He's the Spike Edney of yeah. this. And um, I was really interested to talk to him because I was curious, where, you know, where he, how he came into Queen. You know, is is he an Uber fan or has he got a much more sort of pragmatic approach to it? So, that's, well, let me ask you this: go on, then. Do you have any clips, audio clips of that conversation <laughs> that literally cannot be heard anywhere else but here? Ah, that's a good question. I actually think I might. <laughs> hey! And I might actually have it queued up, ready to play. No, right now. what yeah. a result! Let's Listeners. try it. <laughs> 
what does it? Uh, what, do, what does Queen mean to you? Because obviously fans come to see the show. Yeah, means a huge amount. What does it mean to you? Well, I grew up in a household that listened to music, but if I said to you, my mother listened to Eurovision, uh, so I just listened to ABBA and Bucks Fizz and my father listened to marching bands, I wouldn't have said I had the best start to find out that I'm going to be playing Queen later in life. But, um, but what does it mean? So, so I'd say I came across Queen because I'd, I'd, I'd hear We Are The Champions uh, football matches and I'd hear Bohemian Rhapsody on Wayne's World. And it was in our world, wasn't it? All these songs and were in our psyche. But I wouldn't say I was there as a, as a fan, buying the albums, listening to the albums, studying the albums. It filtered in through through my childhood and teenage years, it was always there. Um, Live Aid was a huge one. We all, we all know that and watched it. So that's when I became really aware. But it wasn't until I was asked, approached to work on We Will Rock You, where I really sat down and learnt how to play Queen. But of course, playing Queen on We Will Rock You in the West End, in a, mu in a musical theatre background, to playing Queen in a rock and roll environment and trying to replicate that stadium sound in theatres is that it's a hybrid basically um, so you know and I've, so I've been working on Queen songs since 2007 so I've done a bit now but I'd never say I was that fan beforehand and it may be why I can have a little balanced view on it all as opposed to be overexcited all the time. <laughs> and, and because you've come at it from that, that angle yes. where you've had to really study it, yes. what is it that you most admire about Queen's work? Uh, it's got to be the vocal harmonies, Every, all day long. And I'm, and, and I'm a pro singer as well, it's not just a keyboard player singing backing vocals, I have my own shows as well that I do as lead. Um, but the, 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 just the, what went through those brains in the studio to create these walls of vocals um, it was just insane and that, that creative process is one I wish I could be part of on, on, on things all the time. I've done it once but that was 25 years ago and uh, I've just been replicating live stuff ever since really. What's come close to my heart in recent years, um, I sang The Show Must Go On at my uncle's funeral six years ago and I, sat, uh, I played um, only the good die young at my mother's funeral just this past year. So they bring on other meanings, personal meanings, and I'm sure that everybody that comes to our concert, big Queen fans, they have personal stories to certain songs and they're those little things that we all live off, isn't it? And we all come together and when we, you know, I'll, I'll have a memory of my uncle when I sing The Show Must Go On and somebody else will have a, a thought that relates to their, their world. Is, is there a song that's not on the set list that you would... Well, Who Wants to Live Forever is not on the set list for this show. Illyria um, has told me off for it, desperately wants to sing it. Um, but I decided we need, you know, I, I could do a whole other show of A-list Queen songs, uh, you know. Um, so it's good to be able to keep things fresh and keep things moving around. So uh, we're doing some songs I haven't, this band haven't done since 2015 in this set. So, uh, but is there any one song? <laughs> I joked upstairs just now to say it's the last call of We Are The Champions because I know there's a gin and tonic waiting in the dressing room. <laughs> I love them all, that's where the problem is. You know, it's like your children, you can't, you can't choose a favourite. Yeah. You're not allowed to have favourites. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true, it's very true. It's um, what he said about them being, uh, moving from We Will Rock You, a musical, to mm. Quex, which is a band. And that actually is what I felt was... I, I turned up thinking I was going to see a show called The Queen Extravaganza, and I left feeling like I'd gone to see a, see a band, band called The Queen yeah. Extravaganza. That is the name of that band. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't a concept show. It's not like ABBA Voyage or something. It's, yeah. It is a band you're going to see who happen to be called The Queen Extravaganza. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I, I, it's, it, he's right about the vocals as well. The vocal harmonies are oh. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, I think that's the only word for it. <laughs> well, you know, there's lots. Most of the actual band are providing harmonies. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, they're all they're all doing their bit. We talked earlier, didn't we, about um, how phenomenal um, the guitar player Nick is? Oh yes. Yeah, I was really keen 
to talk to him. Unfortunately, yes. I recorded that for the purposes of this pod. And has anyone else heard No this? one else has heard this. Oh, my God. I know. So um, for the first time ever, I'm going to share it with someone. And that's, that's me. Yeah. yeah. Now you're playing these songs yeah. on a nightly basis. Um, when you're sort of playing them, is there anything particular about what Brian did that you really admire the most? It's it's just absolutely unique. There's not many guitar players that I would say are as unique as, as Brian May, and, and you know he stands out for me above everyone really because he's he's got such a different um, style of uh, uh, everything about his his setup, the way he you know uses a sixpence to play with. Um, you know he's got his own guitar that he made with, with you know without phase pickups, so you get that kind of screamy sound that you get for like the Bohemian Rhapsody solo. Um, through an amp that's cranked up to full, you know, it's it, it's a it's a very unique sound, and if I can get anywhere near it, you know, I'm I'm happy. Um, it's a very difficult sound to kind of reproduce, really, um, and also his feel because he's got an incredible feel, and he's such a sort of deep thinking person that, that when you're playing his parts, you've got to kind of get into his mindset and 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 how he's thinking about what he's doing because you can see he's really calculating what he's going to do, you know, and you sort of. You have to put yourself kind of in Brian's head as much as possible when you're trying to copy what he's doing. I can never really do exactly what, he's, what he plays, but I can, I can try and capture the, the sort of the feel of, you know, what he's, what he's thinking when he played these parts originally. You know. So I noticed that you've got some of the Red Special yeah. copies. Has that, is that a challenging thing to sort of play on that? Or? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I heard a story about his original guitar that, that they made out of a fireplace and a motorbike, and the um, so the neck is the wood of the fireplace, and it's it's really thick. You know, I like a thin neck. You know, cause I, I like to you know get my fingers all the way across. But I, I played his guitar, and his guitar neck is so thick. And the reason it is is because his dad and him got so bored shaving it down that they just went, "Ah, oh, that'll do," and left it. And that's just the way it is. And it's and it's thicker than all other guitar necks that I've ever played. Um, luckily, these replicas are not exact copies. They're, they're sort of based on it, and they've got more of a normal feel. Um, and this, they're sort of—they're not the most expensive. They do have—they do a full three grand sort of version, of, which is an exact copy of Ryan's guitar. And much as I'd love to have that, I don't think I'm going to enjoy playing it. So I'm quite happy with these sort of slightly more budget versions. But they sound—they've got the sound, you know, and they've got the look, and really, that's what we're after. One, one last question is um, obviously Brian has a very distinctive style on stage. Do yeah. you, you find yourself sometimes mimicking that at all? You kind of have to because it's almost like you look stillier if you just stand there. And you know, if you don't play a big power chord and, and feel like doing that, I mean, Brian does it not because he's, he just, just feels it, you know, it's just that's, it just makes you want to do that. And so you kind of, you know, if you don't, you just look like you're kind of waiting for a bus. So, you know, it, it does. It does lend itself to sort of gestures, but I don't go over the top, and obviously I don't wear wigs and things like that. Although I could do with one, but not, um, not certainly not a curly one. <laughs> what a legend! I mean, oh, that's my favourite chat yet. It was, yeah. I mean, I, I love the fact that you know the, the story of Brian making his own guitar. I've heard it so many times, and each time I hear it. There's a, there's a new thing. I've never I've, heard that. Before. I've never heard the motorbike. I don't know if that's true, well, or not, but I've. The, I've the, yes. the wide neck. The wide neck. No, I'd not not aware that it was wider than most, but that makes perfect sense. But I just love the fact there might be a bit of motorbike in there. Because <laughs> you know, I know there's knitting needle and I know there's fireplace sure. and stuff, you know, and all sorts. But um, yeah, that's that's fascinating that actually, you know, Brian obviously has longer fingers yeah. and, and, and to make that work. But for people who don't, it's a, it's a difficult thing to play. So the Red Special is one is the hardest guitar in the world to play if you even do manage to play your hands on it. Yeah, exactly. And Brian ch chooses to play that guitar for preference well, and has yeah. made all of these iconic licks and riffs and solos yeah, yeah. that are so melodic on the hardest guitar to play in the world. He doesn't make life easy for himself, does he? No, but uh, we love him even more for it, don't yeah, we? Absolutely. But, yeah. But no, I, I have to say, um, they're all incredible musicians, but I have to say, I, when I was watching it, I just couldn't help but keep drifting mm. to watch. His Nick. fingers, Nick's fingers. Yeah, because he's not showing off. He's no, not, he's not no. a look-at-me guitarist no. at all. No. In fact, he, he's he got that, that great look of the guitarist who's like, almost like, 
not doesn't want to be there, but is embarrassed to be there. Yeah, that's what I felt. Like I want you to hear me, but I don't want you to see he's me. Sort of throwing it yeah, away yeah. almost. Yeah. And yet he's doing these incredible things. Yeah, he's worth the admission fee alone. <laughs> but they're all good. Um, but so it was interesting as well talking to George. The drummer. The drummer. He's, he's new to the band. He's um, what, How old is he? Like 18 or something? Don't get like me started 10. on that. <laughs> George Farrer. He's not only does he have to fill in for Roger as a drummer, but they make him do the high bits. They have to do all the songs. He does the high bits in, yeah. in the vocals as well. Um, so, yeah. I, I wish you could hear what he had to say. He's probably about that. still an alto, though, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> actually, no, I, I don't I, I, think I, his voice can broken. hear what he had to say about that. Oh, can we? <laughs> We've just been talking about that. The, the harmonies is such a massive part yeah. of it. How challenging is that to sort of be playing and singing at the same yeah, time? Yeah, it was, it was pretty challenging. I mean, I have a lot of bands that I play in where I drum and do lead singing. Um, the hard thing with this is that the backing vocals are so high and it's pretty demanding drumming that set anyway, physically. So to then put the backing vocals on top, it's like, they're stupendously high. So to not run out of breath, when you're like, now I'm here, for example, there's a big drum like fill in it that goes on forever. And then to sing over it is like, it takes a while to know when to breathe. So it's pretty challenging, man. <laughs> what is, is that, would you say that is the most challenging thing you have sort of? playing Queen music. As in that song specifically? Or just generally, you know? Um, yeah, and, and also the fact that he's, he's one of those drummers that's so recognisable. It's, it's one of the hardest instruments to know, to just listen to a drummer and be like, that's that guy. But he's one of those guys that's just so, as soon as you hear him, it's like, that's Roger Taylor. Um, so it's hard to kind of replicate that, but not be a rip off of it and still be yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, um, sort of having to play and, and try and replicate to a certain degree, uh -huh. what is it that you most admire about Roger now that you're sort of sat and, and you're playing? Um, I think his musicality as a drummer, because it's so easy to just sit behind a drum kit and be like, oh, I'm going to play fills everywhere. Uh, but you kind of realise that even little things like when he goes to hit a crash cymbal, like everything seems to be so thought out. You know, maybe it's like he'll miss a crash cymbal on a downbeat or something. And it's like, most people would just, you know, play four, four, and then hit the crash cymbal every bar in a chorus. Whereas there's little pockets that you kind of think, that's definitely thought about. Or like, you're my best friend, that opening fill, the da-da-da-da. Most people would go, do do go down, whereas he chose to go up. So it's just little things like that that's like just super cool, that's obviously thought about, you know. Queen and Foo Fighters are like the two bands that have been with me throughout my whole life. And from probably the age of six to 10, I would watch The Magic, The Wembley Show on DVD every Saturday with my grandma, religiously. So, I mean, they've been there my whole life, like, as you can see. I love, I love the band. Like, I, I'm a fan as much as, I am playing it. I just, I love the band, you know? That's brilliant. So it must be a real thrill then to, to now be going on a 60-day oh, tour to play. It's, um, it's crazy. Like, I still can't quite believe it. Do you know surprised. He's like one of the kids off the Miracle video. <laughs> so he's age six watching the Wembley Live Magic DVD yeah. that I produced. Of course. So how old does that make me feel? Or how old does that make me? Very odd that when he's tiny, He's watching something that I made with, and he's now on stage playing. I think you'd already had a kid before this guy could. Um... Yeah. Yeah. And not only is he <laughs> is he a really nice guy, he's incredibly, incredibly good drummer. I mean, oh god, he's so good. Oh. He's so good, and it seems so unfair to make him sing the Roger lines. Yeah. Like, why him? Like, anyone <laughs> with a high voice? Just make someone else in the band do it. No. <clears throat> but no, they have to be that authentic. Yeah. And again, just like we've heard from Nick's insight into Brian of talking about how you have to get into how he's thinking. thinking. That's the same thing here, that Roger is every bit as detailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thought through. And, you know, we always talk about, well, Roger's a very tuneful drummer and all this kind of stuff was actually just hearing that chat with George that really put that in focus yeah. for me and what that means, yeah. those insights. The point that 
you can recognise Roger's drumming as Roger yeah. just by the yeah, sound yeah, yeah, of the yeah. drums, and that is not a thing that you do with no, drumming. Like, no, no, absolutely not. No, <laughs> they never make the obvious choices. Yeah, they always look to surprise, don't they? Yeah, and yeah. the fact that George has, has identified those moments and recognised them and, and and tried to understand why they are the way they are. Yes. You know, as you say, why Roger has chosen at that particular moment, he's not going to hit the crash. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not just, oh, we forgot. And he's he's the, made a decision. The one that got me was that little, you know, the drum fill at the top of... Yeah, best that do, 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 yeah. You know, and, and and to suddenly now find out today <laughs> that, 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 that a normal drummer, a regular drummer would have done something... He, Roger yeah. is doing something non-standard there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And therefore it has become a memorable... Memorable moment. Moment of music. Yeah, it's very, it's very. Um, All these efforts they. It's put very in. distinctive. Yeah. yeah, and very melodic. Last, but of course, by no means least, there's the bass player. So he's been in it from the very beginning. Yeah, he's which been is been what twenty eleven. I think so. Yeah, it's about that time. Yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. And he's a Ted, dead ringer for Ted Lasso. <laughs> which made me so happy. Yeah, Once it took me ages yeah. to work out why you were just what's talking Ted about... Lasso, what's Jason Sudeikis doing on bass? Bless him. Oh, dear. It's funny, actually, because earlier on we said that Illyria should be in charge of um, picking the set list, but I think Francois might actually be able to run a, you know, run a good race. Oh, that. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a listen to this. Okay. <laughs> Is there a particular Queen song on the set list that you're most looking forward to doing on this tour? Uh, consistently from one tour to another, uh, my favorite song, I think, has been Killer Queen. Yeah, it's, it's way up there for me. I mean, there are multiple other songs that I really enjoy, but that one, I don't know, it's got everything about, it showcases everything about Freddie's genius, you know, this, the music and songwriting is just like pristine, it's, yeah. Is there a song that's not on the set list that one day you would love? There's a song called Flick of the Wrist, which was, yeah, a really fun one, a really different one to play as well. It had a kind of this sort of progressive kind of vibe to it, prog rock kind of vibe to it. And um, so that's one that I really enjoyed then that I'm hoping someday m might come back on the set list. Uh, and I mean, there are so many different ones like Bicycle Race is one of my all time favorites all-time favorites and from one tour to another sometimes we leave it out sometimes it's part of the set list so I think this time around it's not going to be part of the show uh, it's one of the the tougher ones to perform as well um, there's one song we've never played um, the millionaire waltz off of a day at the races which could be a great one to play at some point it's a very complicated one as well and again it's all about Freddie's genius uh, you know, the instruments, the melodies, the, the lyrics. Uh, so hopefully that one, one day we'll, we'll get to play. What is it about John that you found yourself most admiring, you know, when you're, you're playing, you know, his, his, what is it you most admire about him? Um, I mean, his, his knowledge of the instrument, like uh, plain, you know, to put it simply, he, it, you know, it goes everywhere, just about everywhere. and. Like I said, he's, he had a, a really, uh, he was really gifted in terms of uh, writing me uh, melodic bass lines. Uh, and he was like, he was a great songwriter as well. Uh, he was the one responsible for You're My Best Friend. He was the one responsible, responsible for I Want to Break Free, for Another One Bites the Dust, which is probably their biggest selling hit, you know. So, uh, yeah, he was a... a all in all, he was a complete musician, like on all aspects, if you think about it, you know. Um, what's the biggest challenge you, you, you find sort of playing Queen's music? Um, well, I mean, their repertoire is so intricate. Uh, their, their music is so intricate and so diverse. Uh, I guess the biggest challenge for me would be staying consistent from one night to another. You you don't want to mess it up. You want to make it right and you want to make it as perfect as you can from one night to another. And uh, depending on the schedule, sometimes, you know, we're going to have like 
three, four, five shows in a row and people get tired and it's exhausting and you know you, you always have to have your focus on and you know uh, yeah so I guess yeah staying consistent with uh, uh, and being consistent with the playing and stuff like that I mean he's got a very sexy accent <laughs> French Canadian it's a perfect combination Lord. isn't it really Good Lord, that yeah. man has some natural charisma. What a fabulous... Do you know what? Just listening through these exclusive clips that you've provided, Simon, that you the can't get anywhere else. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely you can't. Um, we've gone through the entire band there, mm. and I think everyone talks about Freddie's genius all the time. Yeah. And we all talk about their genius, but to understand the specifics, you know, there's a little quote that Francois... I saw on the um, Extravaganza website, which is one of my challenges from one night to another, is your my best friend. It was written yeah. by John Deacon, has a very intricate bass yeah. line. Um, and of course, we've talked about that on this pod, just how incredible the bass line to that song is. Yeah. And to hear Francois say, well, actually, the way John writes all of his bass lines is inventive and yeah. creative, just like Brian, just, just like, like Roger. Roger. They're all doing the unexpected. Yeah. So, so they write music that is ambitious, they can do the straightforward thing and they always take an option to get greater complexity into it. It is not easy to play this stuff live. You have to be a brilliant musician in order to be able to play Queen. Yeah. Mm. And then you go and see Queen and they're like, yeah, but we did this for years. <laughs> you know, we don't re-sheet music, we just feel it. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, they're that good that they're casual is way above <laughs> yeah. most professional musicians. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they are that level. I really enjoyed chatting to them, and it was lovely to share that 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 got that with you. You know, to be able to do that for the pod because um, they were so generous with their time. So I thought we'd just finish off now. Um, the little clips that I played you earlier on is the only bit uh, that's, that's been properly sort of like mixed after a concert of that particular band. So what we heard earlier on was the band that you see now, right? Um, and I think our advice would be definitely go see go them. see them. Go yeah. see them if you can. I think it's running till what eight. Or no, then Where's, they go off, the European oh, going to Europe. So if they're anywhere near you, go see them. If not, they will be on tour again. Well, just soon. get out to Stockholm or whatever. <laughs> go <laughs> go see, see them. It is worth it. Yeah. It really is. I was blown away, genuinely blown away. I had a fabulous time. It was good. Yeah, no, definitely recommend it. Um, so we'll, we'll finish up with, um, this is a recording of the band from a few years ago. Oh, right. So this is Mark Martel in lead okay. vocals. But um, I just thought we, we need, you need to hear the band in, for, in full flight. Um, Great. It's still as good as this. And you can't get this anywhere else, just on this pod. <laughs> there you go. Well, what do you want? <laughs> is that true or is it just No, I, it, it, was, it, was, it was released. But, you know, fine. This Never is, mind. This is it. But anyway. Shaft. Yeah. All right, let's listen to it then. You Jesus. <laughs> Okay, so that was the Queen Extravaganza. Uh, if they're anywhere near you, either coming soon or next year or whenever they next go on tour, um, go see. You won't be disappointed. Right, to finish up the show, it is time to play the game. Ah. Play the game, play the game, play the game. So this is the bit where we have invited listeners of the pod to send in questions, thoughts, debates, whatever. Uh, games that they'd like us to play. Mm. Um, Producer Sam, has anyone responded to that call? <laughs> We've had loads of responses. Yes! We can never have enough responses. Please do email queenpod at queenpodcast.com with your questions. We love to hear them. We love hearing from you. Or just uh, a story about Queen that you want to share, your Queen story. It's all good. Yeah, and send it in as a little audio record because it's yes. always fancier. Ah. Yeah, nice. To hear yes, your voice on the pod. Like, yeah, yeah. pop it on a little voice memo and ping it over. Mm. 
it makes us look really professional. <laughs> <laughs> and we need all the help. It does. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> I don't think it helps enough. <laughs> but it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> so, today's uh, question comes hmm. from Chris Lee. Ah, hello, Chris Lee. And we've been talking about and listening to the Queen Extravaganza, how they put together a set list, what mm. that's all like. And Chris sets up a scenario where Brian and Roger are putting together a new Queen album. Ooh. It could be I like with Adam. Where this is going. It might not be with Adam. That's all up to you guys because Chris would like to know if you had a say in producing the album, what musical direction would you want it to be? Where would you like to take it? What would you want on a new Queen album? Oh, Chris, that's Jeepers. a good one. Well, I would like them to carry on how they ended up when they got to Innuendo, which was about just getting in a room and playing mm. together and performing as a whole unit mm. and then taking that to build on. So I'd, I'd almost like saying, let's you know, do away with all the fancy technology. Mm. <laughs> you know, use it when you need need it, but let's get back to how it was because the innuendo was very much recorded similar to how they would have done the earlier their albums. And I just think, um, you know, that would be... I'd love to see them in a room. Oh, this, I've got this idea. And then and then building on that and jamming together and working it up together. Yeah. Like, to, to get being that, a band. Being a band. Because I think you really notice that other than when someone comes in with something fully formed that's ready and it's like, right, you now go in and do your bit, mm. you go and do that and we'll put it all together. Still great songs were made that way because they're, they're queen and they were yeah. brilliant. <laughs> but I, I do, I think instinctively, I, I probably am drawn to those songs where they just, you know, jammed. You can't be anything you want to be Just turn yourself into anything you think that you could ever be Be free with your tempo Actually, in doing that, they they encompassed more of their entire musical career. You were getting, you were hearing more sounds from the early albums on yeah. Innuendo than you might have been hearing on the work set. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even a kind of magic. I think the first thing to say is I don't think the producer sets the time for a Queen album. <laughs> I think it's Queen that do that. So I think I would start by going, "Hey guys, what do you want to do?" <laughs> okay, I shall obey. <laughs> Um, um, I think the tracks I'm always most excited to hear are the heavy ones. Yeah. And so, you know, putting on innuendo for the first time and Hitman crashing in out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. how heavy that is and those moments where Brian gets to let rip and when Freddie is given a full-on hard rock track, he will go at it yeah. and give you every... I mean, like, you know, Lemmy's not a patch. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, he, he does it brilliantly. So those are always the most exciting elements of the band for me and the fact that they are first and foremost a rock band is really important to me so I think that would be an area where I will show enthusiasm Yeah, <laughs> is the way I would do it yeah. um, but also they're innovators and they're always wanting to reach new audiences uh, they love their existing yeah, audience yeah, and their yeah. existing audience but they're always looking to innovate they're always looking to be on the cutting edge they're always trying to do something new that does become interesting like in the same way that you know crazy little thing called love kind of just covers all of Elvis-style rock and roll <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and does yeah, it yeah, really yeah. well. You know, are we going to get, like, um, a, a better type of song than, a, like, a than a Lady Gaga can do, you yeah, know? Or yeah. would they be interested in, in what's happening with Grime? <laughs> I don't know. But um, <laughs> how would they innovate? How would they take all the tools that are available to them. That's what they did at every phase of their career. Yeah. Mm. You don't dismiss the technology that's available to you. No. You take that technology and see how you can use it to express yourself. Yeah. And that that would be what would excite me about them recording an album now Yeah. and looking at what they riff on and what they have to say as yeah. well. Well, that that's it. I think it would be dictated, wouldn't it? The tone of it would be dictated by what they felt Yes, they wanted Queen to be, and the, and the thing was, is you look over those studio albums, and there is an evolution. Yes, of Queen, there is a progression that's 
that's influenced by them as maturing as songwriters. You know, some Freddie and Brian were already very accomplished, whereas we've talked in the past how John and Roger seemed to evolve in front of our very eyes because yes. they were less experienced. But we saw this incredible growth over the, the, the period that they were writing songs. So, yeah, it's what is the next evolutionary... Because it wouldn't just be standing still and making more of Absolutely the same. Absolutely not, There no. will be another... And I don't. That's impossible to predict. And I think that's why I, you know, I think there's a huge section of Queen fandom that are really excited by the idea of uh, Brian, Roger, and Adam getting into a studio together. Yeah. And just seeing what they come up with. You know, I, I've got a lot of time for Cosmos Rocks. Actually, I, it's a yeah. really enjoyable yeah, yeah, yeah. album. You know, I agree. there's sort of a lot of fun on it. Um, but I don't know if it, it maybe had the same consistent surprise and. And innovation as they had shown, well, you mentioned innuendo, right? Where that it just blows your mind. Like even an album like The Miracle that I think a lot of fans see as patchy still is packed with surprises, and you, you can't deny the power of something like Was It All Worth It that has this extended cinematic yeah. instrumental in the middle of it. You know, like it's always exciting to see yeah. what they come up with, and I, I, I wonder if you know. I, I think they had a really enjoyable experience doing that project with Paul. Yes. But I think they're they're much closer with Adam, yes. Um, creatively, emotionally, you know, they seem really tight, and I think that could be a really exciting, yeah. So, and uh, you know, and, and and I'm glad that Chris Lee um, has now said that I'm probably the best place person to produce that album. That's certainly what I was getting from what Chris <laughs> sure. was saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll make so, sure that Brian and Roger are aware. It could be that Brian and Roger are desperate to get in the studio, but just feeling like they didn't have the right person exactly. who could steer them. Exactly. They need someone with a bit more of a barbaric attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian and Roger, if you're listening, we know you're not. But um, Roe is available and uh, the best in his price range. And so, it would be a, a privilege for you to work with me. It would. I, I certainly would, would be in awe. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Chris, for that question. Um, it was really good fun talking about the Queen Extravaganza. That was Can I do great. one little shout-out yeah. to a fan? Sorry, yes. Because when Sam and I were at the Extravaganza gig, yes. I happened to post, literally just before we went in, just to, to the mm. you know the Facebook page, that's all immediate, but oh, we think Charmaine Polly's there, who's one of our mm. listeners. And sure enough, in the interval, I'd met her before, and I just spotted her in the corner. I went, oh, hi, Charmaine. <laughs> she was so excited to see us. Aww. It was so lovely. Um, and it was just an amazing little thing where... <laughs> And there were all these sort of faces around us going, why is this person so excited to talk <laughs> to that guy and his kid? What, what's going on? And I mean, obviously, we were wearing our Queen Pod shirt. Yeah, advertising at us. all times. But yeah, that was lovely. So a big shout out to you, Charmaine. It was lovely to see you. That's, no, that is lovely because I did write to him and say, if you see Ro, do say hello to him. Mother. It'll make his oh, day. Oh, yeah. So thank you, Charmaine, for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't sleep for two nights. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with more inane, sorry, more exciting <laughs> Queen chat. <laughs> so keep your questions coming in. Um, all it remains is for me to say thank you to Ro. You're welcome. And of course, thank you to Sam. And we'll see you all next time. Lovely. Take care. This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production. Edited and produced by me, Sam Easton. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com Thanks for listening and see you next time.